The following audio is from Central Christian Church, located in Portales, New Mexico. To connect with Central, go to centralwired.org.
Truly honored to be up here. Um, you guys sounded amazing this morning. And uh, before we get started, um, I was blessed to be at the marriage conference this uh, weekend. And I was going around the house uh, singing Wonderwall, and my wife asked me to stop. And I told her, So maybe. Uh, that was just the light in the mood for me. Uh, I get nervous up here. Um, so I wanted to challenge you guys this morning a little bit. Um, so this is a sea otter. Look at it. All right. That's what I was hoping for. At least one of you got it. Um, so in the 1920s in Monterey Bay, California, um, where Finding Dory took place, um, they were hunted to near extinction, and uh, biologists found that they were uh, a keystone species around 1970 because nearly all um, life was uh, stagnant and gone at that point. Um, and they found that a sea urchin... Uh, basically had eaten away all sea kelp. And if you have ever seen sea kelp, uh, which is on this next picture, sea kelp is this huge seaweed. They grow up to 170 feet tall, like underwater. And sea urchins are the little, like, hairy-looking things on the side. Um, and they eat it down. And basically, the bottom of the food chain all the way up to like the top of the food chain needs sea kelp to eat uh, like for food. And so um, there was no food from the beginning of the food chain to the top of the food chain. And so once sea otters were reintroduced, um, they, they realized that like the sea otters were this keystone species that kind of made the whole ecosystem in Monterey Bay, California work together. And so once they were introduced, great white sharks, orcas, swam for thousands of miles to get back to this place to, um, to feed on this rich food back here in Monterey Bay. Um, so moving forward, um, for the past 400 years in the U.S. and Western Europe, Nearly 70% of people have considered themselves Christians. 
Now, taking this keystone mindset, like keystone species mindset, if 70% of people consider themselves Christians, where are they? Like, why aren't, why aren't they making this huge impact like sea otters, right? So I want to bring in this, uh, this scripture, Matthew 5, 14 through 16. It says, You are the light of the world. A city located on a hill cannot be hidden. People do not light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people so that they can see your good deeds and give honor to the Father in heaven. So bringing this keystone species mentality to us, we cannot let our good deeds, our great commission that Jesus gave us, what he did on the cross for us, be hidden. If we are the keystone species of the human race, like we should be making a huge difference. We cannot let the message of the cross be hidden. So during this time, I want to challenge you to search yourselves and ask, like, what can I be doing tomorrow on Monday morning on my lunch break? What can I do to bring the message of the cross to the people that are around me? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for what you've done. Thank you for your son. Thank you for the cross. Lord, I just pray that right now we search ourselves for just what we can do to bring your message to the world. Lord, make us a keystone species of the human race. We love you and we praise you and we worship you today. In Jesus' name, amen. The shopping cart determines if a good or bad person. Also, turning on the volume on your mic determines if you're a good or bad preacher. I'm not sure if the shopping cart theory is true, but it does apply to what we're talking about with this series, Identity Theft. And, and I, want us to, I want you to join me in 2 Corinthians 5. How many of you got your Bibles or your app? Lift them up. We want to be a Bible-believing church and a Bible... Using church. We want you to have a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, let us know. We will get you one. There's a free one on our app. And it's 2 Corinthians 5, if you'll find this. This is one of the key texts in all of the New Testament regarding our identity. Now, our enemy does not want us knowing our identity. He doesn't want us living in our identity because uh, we will behave differently. You see, our identity, our identity says we know who we are and it will change our behavior. Paul's talking to the church at Corinth here in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 16. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has become, begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. You see, with a new identity comes a new responsibility. And I think this bottom part right here, if we would really get this, I think the, the failure to understand this is one of the re main reasons that Christian growth can be stunted. A lot of what DA is saying, that we are a keystone group. We should be doing something different. If we would get that, it would change how we would act. Most of us have heard myths and stories about if you take a shark out of the ocean, if you get a... Uh, you know, and you put it in a tank, it'll only grow to the size of the tank. Most of us have heard that, true? 
Well, technically it's not true. It's uh, mostly an urban myth. Uh, a great white shark is, is five foot long when it's born. So I'm not going to put that in a 20-gallon tank in your living room, all right? That's just not going to happen. But there are certain types of baby sharks that go doot, 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 doot. Come on. Groans as good as a laugh to me. I don't really care. <laughs> you serve me up a softball like that, I'm crushing that one, all right? Okay, so there are certain types of sharks, though, that when they are born as small infants, I didn't say it again, uh, as small infants, that they'll grow to, that you can put them in a 20-gallon tank and they'll grow to, grow to five to six inches. But the exact same kind of shark you can take out of that and you can put it in the ocean and it will grow to almost five feet. And both, both sharks are fully developed. They're fully developed. They have all of their, their right capabilities. They can, uh, they can reproduce. They, if you dissect the five-inch one, he will have fully developed everything but won't be adapting to his environment. I think a lot of times we have seen some pretty cute Christians swimming around the church because that's where they stay. They stay in the little box until they get out in God's big world and grow into their new identity. Friends, Jesus never told the world to go to church. I've been looking all week. It's not there. He never told the world to go to church. He told the church to go to the world. He told us to go out. It's, it's funny to me that... One of the catchphrases in church growth in the last 20 to 30 years is seeker-friendly. You need to be a seeker church. You need to be a seeker-friendly church, which is really backwards. We're the ones that are supposed to be the seekers. Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. And we are to be Jesus. You are a light of the world. You're a city on a hill. We are to be the seekers of the lost. That is our job. But our enemy comes in and he whispers stuff like, those bad people won't listen. And, and let's be realistic. You don't want those people in here until they get their lives straightened out. We don't want all of their garbage in here too. You hearing me? And the enemy will whisper this stuff to us and, and we lose our identity. Friends, we were never saved to sit in here. We were saved to be sent from here. That's our, our God-given challenge. And Paul immediately informs these new creations of their new occupation, of their new vocation. He calls them ambassadors. Everybody say ambassadors. I got to tell you where this sermon came from. This was not the sermon I had in, in the line of this series, but some things happened this week. Most of us have watched in horror of what has gone on in the news in the Ukraine. And I, please hear me, I'm not trying to make this political. That's, that's not my issue. But what we have watched and what we have seen has, has been painful. Lives have been lost. And, and it's, we've seen the tanks and we've seen the airfare, or the air um, fighting and the, you know, the destruction. And the news came on uh, about a guy named John J. Sullivan, who is our U.S. ambassador to Russia right now. And they were talking about what all he's been doing the last two or three weeks. And it sent me on kind of a rabbit trail. And I started looking him up. He's an interesting fellow. John J. Sullivan was appointed as the U.S. ambassador to Russia under President Trump. But when Biden came into office, they asked him to stay on. That doesn't happen all the time, all right? Uh, because somebody is, he's had such a long uh, lineage of diplomacy, they kept him in that position even through Democrat versus Republican. And it comes, he comes by it honest. His uncle, William Sullivan, was our last U.S. ambassador to Iran. And some of you are old enough to remember those images. He was one of the captives in 1979 when they were like 480 of them or something. I can't remember how many exactly. But he was one of the captives, and, and he was taken as the ambassador to Iran, which sent me all down this rabbit trail. I wonder what an ambassador really does. And it, it rem I remembered this passage that we just read, that we are ambassadors. So I, so I spent some time on, 
on government websites. I, I really started looking. I just started, you know, and emailing and digging up stuff. An ambassador, by definition, is a citizen of one country while living in another country. And, and he is a resident alien. If I say he, it can be a he or she. Please understand that. But he is shorter. So uh, he is a resident alien, is not, nor does he ever intend to become a citizen of the country to which he has been assigned. Does that make sense? Which made me think of another verse that's on the screen right now. Philippians 3 verse 20. We are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And if you look at Philippians 3, which we're doing in our spectrum, our college group, if you're college age, we want you to on Tuesday night be with us. And in the third chapter, what he's referencing is he's referencing people who have made gods out of, lowercase g, gods out of the things around them. Gods out of their appetite. Gods out of the things that they want. He said, but we're not like that because we don't live here. Our citizenship is somewhere else. This world is not my home. I'm just uh, passing through. My treasures are laid up. Somewhere beyond the blue. You just sang another one. I was buried beneath my shame. But you call my name and I ran out of that grave. I'm not who I was. That's not my identity anymore. Sadly, there was a great and horrible tragedy that took place in our country, in, in the U.S., this last summer. Thousands if not millions, slept on the ground because they had no beds. There was no air conditioning. There was no running water. They dealt with insect infestations, weather problems. To use the toilet, they had to go down the road and use public facilities. And they called this tragedy camping. I'm, I'm, I'm picking on Brian and Sarah. If you haven't got a chance to meet Brian and Sarah, and uh, they're on a mission to get to every state park in the state of New Mexico, I think, is the first one. I don't think you got it all last year, but you're going to finish this year, I think, is the whole premise, the, the idea. Now, hey, get, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I love camping. I love it. I, I, I'm past the tent stage. Can I get an oh, yeah, and an amen? Because, uh, you know, the sleeping on the ground... Uh, it doesn't work too well anymore. I'm more of the pull the trailer with the inside toilet and a bed kind of. I'm more of that kind. Some of you camping is going to a hotel that doesn't have Disney Plus. All right, you know. <laughs> but Paul says all of us are really campers. You're in Second Corinthians five. Go back to the first verse of chapter five. Second Corinthians five and verse one. It says, for we know that this earthly tent we live in, when this earthly tent is, we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. Hey, for a little while, a tent can be a wonderful home. Franklin and Marie love to go hiking and camping, and they do that. And I, I love that, and, and that's fantastic. For a period of time, that can be a wonderful place. If you're up in the mountains, and it's raining, and you need a respite, and you need to get out, a tent can be a fantastic place. But while they are perfect for their intended purpose, a person doesn't expect to live in a tent forever, do they? Before long, a person longs for inside toilets and running water and a bed that is more soft than lumpy. And we desire to live in a structure that is more permanent and sturdier than a tent. Would we agree? But see, we are citizens of a different nation. And God gave us the Holy Spirit to remind us. Stay with me in chapter 5. Glance down to about verse 5, 2 Corinthians 5, 5. God himself has prepared us for this, meaning that this tent is going to go away. He's preparing us to not live, uh, to, to live transparent, to move on. In verse 5, God himself has prepared us for this, and as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. 
a guarantee and a reminder. You see, our enemy is going to come in. He's going to tempt us. He's going to try to get us to make our tent into a permanent mansion. You tracking with me? He's going to try to get us to focus on this and not his kingdom. He's going to try to get us on the on the temporary to make it permanent. Friends, our, the Holy Spirit's here to remind us we don't belong here. Our citizenship isn't here. We have a home, not a house, somewhere else. Ambassadors, they only reside there. They don't live there. If we're to be ambassadors, we need to realize that. Another thing an ambassador is, is a representative of his ruler and his people. One of the things I found the most fascinating, did you know that in all of government service, the ambassador is the only one that is on the job 24-7? Now, some of you are going, uh, what? Because I did the same thing. What about the president? Well, now the president is always the president, but he gets vacations. Ambassadors don't. Ambassadors have to be on duty 24-7-365. That's different. That's odd. You see, an ambassador is to embody the very best of the sending country so that the receiving country will honor their king. Some of you are way ahead of me. I read a story a couple of weeks ago about a Florida man who had gone and He and his wife were getting ready to retire, and he cashed out all of his life savings. They were going to go to another financial planner and make all kinds of things. So he went to the bank, cashed it all out, got it in a uh, cashier's check, a blank cashier's check, so they could hand it to the other investor, and, you know, they could do all this stuff with it. In the ride over uh, in a cab, somehow the check fell out and fell fell in the bottom of the cab. And... uh, the cab driver found it later that night. He called, you know, he called the bank, and it was a blank check for lots of money, all right? And uh, really, I mean, there was no way to check who it went to. They called the bank. They tracked it. They got, it to, they got a hold of this guy. His name, the cab driver's name is Bob Reed. And the news people were interviewing him and saying, weren't you even a little bit tempted to cash that? I mean, seriously, there was nothing wrong with that. It wouldn't have hurt you at all. And he said, no. Let me tell you a little bit about myself. I am a part-time cab driver. I am a part-time bodybuilder, but I am a full-time Christian. Hearing me? Is it making, are, we, are we getting the wheels in place here? An ambassador is 24-7, full-time Now, you may not have been called to full-time Christian service. But, friends, he has called you to full-time Christian living. doesn't matter what role you are in. This is not a one- or two-hour-a-week thing. It is a 24-7, every day, you represent Jesus and other citizens of Jesus. In traffic, you represent Jesus. When your boss has had a bad day, you represent Jesus. When you're watching your child play, you represent Jesus. When you're watching your child play and you're in the stands and the referee is not calling it correctly, I just stopped preaching, went to meddling. Uh, I'm not calling out anybody that was in any games this week, okay? Yeah, Yeah, the laughter just got really shallow. Is he talking about me? No, I'm not. You see, we represent Jesus in all of these places. And the people of Jesus. When your mate is irritable, when your server doesn't get your order right, we are to represent the very best of the kingdom of God to Portellus. So, put the cart back. Amen. Hallelujah. Open the door. Smile. Words of encouragement. You see, the, the enemy wants you to represent your opinion. How we post. Hello? He wants you to represent, you tell him, you know, you're smarter, you deserve to tell him how you... 
and ignore our identity. Colossians 3 and verse 17 says, Whatever you do, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. Listen to it from the message. Let every detail in your lives, words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the Master. One other thing about uh, ambassadors that comes up is the concept of diplomatic immunity. How many of you have heard that phrase? That's the one that threw me. So I started looking it up. Uh, it comes from the 1961 Vienna Accords. Not the Sokovia Accords, the Vienna Accords. Fourteen Marvel fans just got that. All right. Uh, here's what it says. The Vienna Accords in 61 said the receiving state is not allowed to prosecute ambassadors' family property. It was amended in 1963 to include everybody that's in the embassy. Now, what it was meant for, it was meant so that an ambassador came to America and stuff that was okay in his country that wasn't okay here, they wouldn't get in trouble. That was the premise of it, is we wouldn't have to learn every law of Finland before we went to Finland, right? So that they, you had a little bit of grace to it. But immediately it became a, an, a problem. And we have seen for years diplomat, uh, diplomatic immunity says, hey, we can't be prosecuted. We can do anything we want. Woohoo! Romans chapter 6 and verse 1 says, Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of His wonderful grace? Does that sound familiar? If we're ambassadors, does grace get us, does grace wash our sin clean? Go ahead. You know the answer to that. But should we keep on sinning so that grace may abound? By no means, Paul says. Our behavior should change, not because we have to, but because we get to. God is sending us as ambassadors, and it should change how we live. Now, one of the things that is challenging in our culture right now is, for lack of a better term, I came up with freelance ambassadors. That's these Hollywood types and music types that decide they're going to go to some hot spot in the world and say they speak for all Americans. Anybody else frustrated with that? Okay, I'm not, I'm not being political, I promise. But sometimes we see these guys on the TV and on the air, and it, it gets a little frustrating. They go and think they speak for all of us, even though they haven't been sent. It's pretty good publicity. It's horrible, uh, it's horrible diplomacy and democracy. Because I think the factor that I understood about the, the, the ambassador the most is an ambassador understands he does not speak for himself. He only speaks for the country that sent him. He does not speak in his own name. There is a givenness about his message. There is a, I am the delivery person. I do not negotiate things without the authority that was given to me. He's to deliver it, not to write it. Look back in 2 Corinthians 5 where we're at. Look down at verse 16, the verse we started with what we were reading. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. We stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. It is easy to come to church and I am ambassador and my job is to go straighten those people out. You hearing me? Some of you are ahead of me. Our job has never been to condemn others. Our job has been to love God and love others. You could amen that really big. There we go. Our job is to love God and love others and leave the condemning and the judgment for the one that has the authority to do it. We are the ambassadors. Now, so does that mean, oh, Don just said you can do anything you want? By no means. We are to love people. We are to love people in sin. We are to love them out of sin. We are to walk with them. Our job is not to condemn them. We are called to speak the message of the one that sent us. We were saved not to sit in here, but to be sent out there. Did you hear that song at communion? Go tell the world about me. I was dead, but now I live. That's our job. We are the ambassadors of Christ. We speak for Him, and we make the message known. Yes, that's it. You're to tell it. And here's our message. You ready? Listen to this. Here's the message. Our king 
has all the authority and has all the right to call down angelic armies and make war on our planet. He has every right to do it. He built it. He can do whatever he wants to. My king has the authority to do that. He has the right to do it, to call down angels, to fight war, but yet he sent us as ambassadors to make peace. And he gave us a ministry of reconciliation. God used Christ to call people back to himself. He's calling us to call people to Christ. It's that simple. Our job is to point people to Jesus, to make the message known of how great our God is. In a cemetery outside of Little Rock, Arkansas, stood a 14-foot bronze cross. And for over 70 years it stood there. In 1930 it was put there by a Catholic bishop who lived in the area and built it in his own garage on his own money, on his own time. And it was beautiful and it was solid bronze and it was something the whole community knew. But in the early 2000s, some thieves broke into the cemetery at night, cut it down, and stole it. They never found it. They uh, <clears throat> found what pieces they thought were it. So they estimated that these people got it, cut it down, chopped it up, and sold it for scrap. And they, at the local scrapyards, they picked up pieces of it. And the going rate at that time was about 50 cents a pound. So they estimated they got probably between four and $500 for this cross. But many of the estimates believe that the value at that time probably is way even higher. It had been appraised and estimated between forty and $50,000 worth of value. And it caused some of the local newspaper writers to say this. They did not know the value of the cross. Do we? You see, God says, I'm going to send Jesus to pull these people back to me. And this is how I'm going to do it. Our job is to point them to that cross. Our job is to not speak what we think is the right thing. We are to speak His words. And that cross is so valuable. You see, God commissioned you and He commissioned me to be ambassadors. He saved us. That glorious day, uh, and I ran out of that grave. You saying that? He is a way maker, a promise keeper. He is the one that saves us. We sing another one that says, Your way is better. He saved us to send us. This is my story. This is my song. Friends, our behavior matters. Maybe the shopping, shopping cart theory really is true. Maybe it determines if we're self-governing or not. Maybe it determines if we really are decent people or not. But you see, our enemy doesn't want our behavior to change. I, I've been playing with this. I've kind of come up with it. I don't think the enemy minds you going to church. I really don't. In fact, I kind of even think he wants you to just go to church. If you just go and sit and then you start feeling really good about yourself, that you're better than all them bad people out there, then that's good enough. Because if he can get you to sit, then you're not doing the job that you were called to do, to be an ambassador, to tell the world about him, to point him to the cross. And here's the funny part. We talk a lot of times, I want you to bring your friends to church. That's great. That's not pointing them to the cross. That's just pointing them to some good people, and we'll get together, and hopefully we will point them to the cross. But the gospel has always been verbal. It has always been our job to tell the story. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. I will no longer let my enemies steal my identity. Friends, you are commissioned. You are ambassadors. Let's go make peace in our world. Would you pray? Almighty God, You are great and greatly to be praised. You have given us this ministry, Father, and I'm praying that we hear it. 
I'm praying that you commission us this morning. You ordain us, that you that you lay hands on us and you send us out into the community as ambassadors. Maybe it's in marriages. Maybe it's to our own family, to our kids. Maybe it's to the sports world. Maybe it's to the business world. Maybe it's to our school. That our story is your story. That we point people to you. May we praise you all days long for your incredible mercy. And may we reconcile people to you through our brother who hung on the cross, who did it all to draw us to you. We give you praise and glory. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Central Christian Church in Portales, New Mexico. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To connect with us, visit our website at centralwired.org.